Welcome to episode 6 of the More XR podcast. It's the latest in augmented reality, virtual reality, and everything in between. It's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Alan Scholl-Sog, More Insights and Strategy's principal analyst covering XR, 5G, smartphones, PC, cloud gaming, and much more. This week we are doing an audio-only podcast, but the special edition is we will be getting an AWE coverage kind of from my experience there after a couple days. So um, first we'll start with the AWE Expo. Um, there were a ton of vendors, um, lots of really interesting announcements, um, stuff like, you know, the like ship launch and Snapdragon Spaces. Um, you saw all kinds of interesting sessions talking about building AR and VR uh, and XR you know, experiences during the pandemic, as well as kind of recovering and what that looks for different spaces, including enterprise, uh, consumer and creative. Um, it was a lot of really interesting sessions, um, that I got to attend and uh, I really enjoyed the show. And I even enjoyed a lot of the demos and being able to try on a ton of AR, VR, um, haptics, um, devices that I hadn't had a chance to try in almost two years. Um, so there, I think a lot of people were really excited about that, and there are a lot of uh, interesting discussions and catching up to do. Um, I think overall it was a really great show, and I'm glad that I was able to go. Um, I'm hoping that I'll be able to go again next year. Uh, hopefully it does not conflict with my previous um, expectations uh, with travel, usually in June. Sometimes I end up in Taiwan, which is unfortunate because it's almost always exact time time as AWE, so we'll see if that happens again. Um, but that personal, uh, preference aside, um, you know, I really got to try, you know, the new XR headset from, uh, Stan LaRocque's uh, company, the Lynx R1. Um, and it was amazing. And there were like lines out, you know, at the Qualcomm booth where he was working. Um, basically, going through and showing people what it looks like in person because you know no one has really had a chance to try it out or at least not very many people um and he's been toying away with it and then there were tons of people lined up for the haptex booth to try out their gloves um which we'll talk about later um and there was you know ovr for scent um being able to give people an opportunity to try um, you know, an attachment to a VR headset that gives you the ability to smell while you're in VR and adds immersion, right? Um, and Lenovo was there and Vario was there. I got finally got to try out the um, Vario XR3 and the Vario Aero. Um, you know, I stopped by the Lenovo booth and they were showing off a lot of people, the uh, A3, um, and kind of showing off what it can do and what they've They've got it hooked up to both on the PC side and on the mobile side. Um, there was also a lot of buzz around the Tilt 5 booth. Um, lots of people were, you know, coming up and trying it out, becoming, you know, excited about it, either because they had never seen it before or because they were backers like I am. And, you know, I really enjoyed the experience and it was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm really excited to see what people can do with it because they already had some developers around them um, in booths like Bad VR um, and a couple others that essentially use their their platform, their AR platform, 
which is supposed to be like a tabletop gaming platform for their applications to kind of show what you can already do at home at a fairly inexpensive cost. Because, you know, the Tilt 5 headset is fairly inexpensive compared to literally everything else on the market. So we'll, we'll see what, what that looks like down the road, but um, they said they should be shipping units relatively soon to the first backers like me. Apologies, I kind of needed a drink there. Um, other than that, AW was a blast. Um, I think there would definitely be things that I would maybe suggest that they do differently. Um, but overall, it was really enjoyable. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a great show, and I, I hope to go again. So if you didn't get a chance to go, you missed out. Uh, there was a little bit of a COVID scare there. We got email at the end after the show was over that somebody on the last day had tested positive, but uh, you know, I tested myself and I was in the clear and I didn't really hear of anybody else who caught it. So it seems like it might have been a isolated incident. Um, other than that, great show. Uh, kind of wraps up my thoughts around AWE. Um, next, during AWE, there were a couple announcements, including uh, the HTC Vive Focus 3 getting a big update that gives it a lot of new capabilities, including uh, Wi-Fi 6E support, um, which I have a feeling it already was in there and they just software updated it, um, which I think is actually what, is it, which is exactly what I think they did. Um, and uh, it also added a bunch of new features to the Vive Focus 3 that gave it uh, this ability to be more LBE friendly um, and just making it more easy to deploy a VR LBE solution using these headsets since they are all the compute and you don't need a backpack and they're fairly light and well balanced and you can definitely use these for VR experiences for LBE and I definitely think that's a great improvement for them because uh, I think v you know VR LBE is going to pick back up, especially now that people are talking more and more about the metaverse and trying to understand what it is and curious, more even more curious about VR than they ever have been. Um, and pre-pandemic, it was already a really hot you know issue um, and, and something that I had actually done some research on over the course of a year and written a pretty long report on Forbes about. And you know that was I don't know two three years ago. So there's there's a lot of growth in the area. Um, I've had great experience with it, um, and there's a lot more to go there. So I'm definitely you know, really excited to see what HTC can get there in terms of business and um, how they can grow, uh, you know, maybe on the enterprise side better than they have been on consumer, um, which still really isn't really a thing for them. Um, but other than that, there was another announcement, which was the big Qualcomm Snapdragon Spaces platform. Uh, that was a pretty big announcement from Qualcomm because they had been building this for quite some time. Um, they've been, you know, building up the team, acquiring assets. They also announced during this week that they had both uh, acquired Wikitude as well as um, acquired Clayair, which is a, um, you know, a hand tracking kind of hand gesture control mechanism. Uh, they had a really strong SDK for these things and were offering it to companies like Lenovo. Um, and they seem to be getting good momentum and it seems like Qualcomm wanted to absorb them and include them in its Snapdragon Spaces platform, um, which I think, you know, some people actually call it a platform, which I just did. Um, but I think that Snapdragon Spaces is a little bit more of like a SDK 
um, that developers can use and utilize to uh, improve their apps to either add AR capabilities or make a complete app um, that utilizes these capabilities. Um, and when you look at you know where the market is today and how most XR devices are running on Qualcomm chipsets, it's not outrageous to think that companies would want to utilize some of these capabilities to build um, AR features and, and apps for their headsets or app, just apps in general for headsets that maybe wouldn't have been likely in the past. So it's it's an interesting announcement and I think it really puts Qualcomm in a much more stronger space because they were very hardware uh, focused but you know they had a lot of software capabilities in XR and now they're expanding those capabilities to make things easier for both OEMs as well as developers. So um, I think they're making pretty big strides in AR because of it. Um, but yeah, that, that was the other big announcement, obviously, other than the Lightship launch, um, which I think everybody knows about. Um, but yeah, this was the big uh, announcement day. It was actually the second day um, that they had technically announced the Lightship platform the day before, but there was a lot of talk and there were a lot of demos and they had they had sponsored a lounge and they were a big sponsor of AWE this year. So um, it was a it felt like it was kind of their coming out show, even though they'd done the announcement the day before. Um, I did get a chance to try it out. It was pretty impressive as a demo. Um, and I can see how they could be a really good platform for AR developers to build upon. Um, and they're slowly releasing capabilities now, including and you know, embracing some of Snapdragon spaces actually. So it'll be really interesting to see how they bring AR from smartphones into AR headsets. Um, but it seems like they're really focused right now on uh, smartphones. Um, they had a bunch of iPhones out and it seems like um, they want to show people that you can build these apps for both Android and um, iOS uh, to make really interesting and compelling AR experiences um, that maybe don't rely on Apple and Apple's first party capabilities. Um, but other than that, that kind of wraps up both the announcements and my personal experience at AWE. Um, it's a pretty long first topic, but it covers uh, actually the first three topics that I've listed. So now we're on the fourth topic, which is that uh, Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro had a conversation about AR and VR and the metaverse, which of course they did. Um, and it was very interesting because they were both pretty negative on it. Um, but it seemed like uh, there was some admission that it was inevitable as well. And then they started talking about how um, how they, you know, appro approach technology and privacy. And it went about as much as, as well as you think it would have. But it was fairly entertaining, even though I don't really watch either of those guys. Um, it was entertaining and I had stumbled upon it. Uh, next topic was that uh, Decagear announced that they are going to be uh, delaying uh, their headset due to shortages. Um, and, you know, they are now moving back to uh, Q2 of 2022 for the Blogger Edition. Uh, and then Q4 for limited edition uh, Decagear, uh, and then 
Q4 is also when they'll have other companies shipping um, their capabilities as well. So they went into a lot of detail, and this was kind of around um, AWE time zone as well. Um, but they basically had said that you know they're they're going to be pivoting, um, and they you know went through all these details about the company and pricing and talking about how they're going to pivot to a more open ecosystem and it seems like they kind of felt like they didn't really get the momentum that they needed um so it seems like they're broadening things a little bit and bringing some companies in to get the scale that they need to be successful um but they're pushing things back which is an unfortunate thing and you know delays always suck but other than that um next topic is that uh sandbox vr got 37 built 37 million in series b funding uh you can see where i got that b me messed up but um yeah it's uh it's really interesting because i had just been saying how you know um htc was going after lbe and uh, sandbox vr is an lbe uh company that does vr and no surprise there uh, they got 37 million because there is a lot of potential for growth there. They had already acquired a considerable amount of previous LBE uh, VR locations and businesses, so I think they even took over some of the Void's assets. So, yeah, it, it's a perfect fit. It makes sense. Timing is good. Um, I, I expect that we're going to see a lot more people trying out VR in the next year and a half. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a pretty busy business and. They're probably going to do very well because, uh, unfortunately, companies like The Void didn't make it through the pandemic. Um, but yeah, that that kind of wraps that up. And then uh, also W during AWE, this happened. Um, I don't think Stan had planned it this way for uh, the Lynx R1, but they did hit their uh, um, their funding date basically around. Um, AWE, so he he closed the the funding and it was eight hundred thousand dollars raised, but um, you know that's just the beginning of it, and he'll very likely need to raise more money to get initial production up next year, um, especially with all the supply chain issues and stuff like that, and having to design around those. But um, you know I think he's also doing a lot around wanting to go for the enterprise. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out because I don't think he's really talking that much publicly about what that business looks like and what he's doing for it differently um, than he has consumers and uh, maybe uh, developers who want to develop for it. Um, but uh, you know, he's he he raised the 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 goal by double and. Uh, I think it's a great thing for him, and now he's got to go out and do his thing as a CEO. So um, I'm happy for him, and I, I'm really excited to see where it goes, uh, especially, especially since I am a packer. Um, other than that, uh, HP also announced some XR services. Um, they actually are going to be utilizing Microsoft HoloLens headsets to help with their printer business. So they aren't launching anything AR related on their company platform um, because they are actually mostly a, a VR house right now with the Reverb G2 and the Omnicept edition of that. Um, 
but they are launching an an AR um, experience for servicing printers through Microsoft HoloLens. So uh, that was an interesting announcement to see uh, a little bit of, you know, some conflict there considering that, you know, they kind of are competitors, um, but they're also clients of each other. So um, it's just an interesting situation. It kind of seems like it's separate kind of in a um, consulting uh arrangement since it, it's a you know a special service that they're offering to their printing customers but um yeah that's kind of it around the hp thing um next is uh that unreal light is coming to the us um this month uh, i believe it's coming out in a week from now it is coming out uh you know around uh the 30th and then i think it will be that's in store at 20 locations and then online like December 2nd or 3rd something like that um, and it's it's nice to see the Unreal Light finally coming to the US after being out and for basically a year um, outside of the US and you know uh, Japan Korea Europe but not in the US um, so it's nice to see that they finally came around to announce that um, and you know it's it's a pretty good AR headset. Um, I think m my biggest complaint is that it just lacks the applications that I would like to see for it, um, for people really to want to uh, experience AR. Um, but I know that I'm not alone, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, speaking of uh, talking a little bit later, uh, my next topic is Meta um, and Meta's own haptic glove announcement after AWE, um, which I felt was an interesting timing because um, I would not have thought of it the way I did had I not tried out Haptex's very similarly looking haptic gloves using a very similar looking uh, system, um, which is interesting because Haptex has been around for a very long time and has been using that technology for quite some time and has been showing off a refined version of that called the DK1, um, which launched earlier this year, uh, around January, January, which, of course, nobody was able to try because nobody was in person for anything, uh, which kind of sucks, but I got a chance to try it at AWE, and it was an interesting experience. Um, that said, it wasn't my only haptic glove experience. I also got to try the Sense gloves, and I've also had uh, an opportunity to try some other haptic gloves as well. So I have a lot of experience trying out haptic gloves and knowing what's what. So seeing Meta's announcement and then seeing Haptex calling them out and saying that you're basically copying us and basically saying that there's a lot of patents in there that that Meta might be uh, infringing upon with their R&D project that they're talking about. So it's a, a very interesting situation, um, and I'm very curious to see how that pans out considering uh, how Meta seems to be portraying this, even though it's very similar to what Haptex is already doing, and I'm not really sure um, what they're going to be able to do with that legally uh, if those patents are, are really that obviously similar. Um, that said, Meta has a lot of money, and they can do things that nobody else can, so... Uh, we'll see what happens there, but uh, it may not be pretty. The next topic is actually around Unreal, 
um, and the fact that they came out in the or they're coming out in the U.S. next week, and that is that there was a review of the Unreal Light on the the Verge, and not to uh, my surprise, at least it was pretty harsh. Um, I think there was some fairness there as well around the application capabilities um, and the overall user experience. Definitely needs a lot of improvement. Um, but Unreal has also made a lot of progress. Um, I think it's really comes down to getting developers to make apps for their platform, which hasn't really been happening, or at least I haven't seen much of it. Um, so and I think that's really the, the challenge that they have. Um, and it's not too sim different from what ODG's problem was with applications and getting people to actually build for it. So I, I think Unreal might, might have to consider how valuable software is and, and having people build for it instead of just having, you know, proofs of concept, um, actually getting people to build for it. And I think that's going to be their biggest challenge right now. So um, I'm not really surprised that The Verge kind of gave them harsh review on that sense, but I think they also kind of need to recognize how important software is and partner with whoever they need to to um, make it easier to develop for their glasses because they've got the hardware so they should be you know trying to work more closely with the platforms to enable easier development and, and encourage developers to develop for their platform um, even if that might take some you know kind of uh, partnerships for investment and things like that so um, I think they definitely have a lot of growing to do but to the point it's still a great AR headset and I hope they're able to remedy some of the issues and um, yeah, other than that, that's kind of my my uh, thoughts for this week. Um, I hope our viewers and listeners, well, this week with listeners, uh, found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insight on a specific XR topic for a future podcast, please reach out on social media. I'm at Anshel Sog on Twitter, and uh, we hope you have a great weekend, and please tune again next week.